vision or have another print disability which makes reading, holding a book, or turning a page difficult or impossible. The content is copyrighted by the respective publishers. For more information, please visit us on the web at nfradioreading.org. Jane Dobre, this is Joanne Janitsky, and for the next hour, I'll be reading from the April 27, 2023 issue of the Ampole Eagle on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. I hope everyone is well. As usual, I'm going to remind you to get a paper and pencil in case you have to jot down phone numbers or tips or whatever you'd like to jot down. Events, there's so many things in the Ampole Eagle. Let's start with Pack of Western New York Rolls Out Five-Year Plan. The Polish-American Congress Western New York Division announced completion of its strategic plan 2023 through 2028 at its general membership meeting on March 29, 2023. The plan, the result of planning sessions held over a five-month period, led by Jim Serafin, board member and facilitator, focused on two major themes. First, a new vision statement was created to more clearly focus, energize, and challenge the membership. It reads, Since 1944, serving as the local and global advocates to strengthen and unify Polish-American interests and causes rooted in fairness and justice, common culture, values, and beliefs. This vision statement addresses the current mission statement, which reads, quote, to serve as the umbrella organization for Western New York Polonia and its members and member organizations, end quote. Second, the strategic plan did a detailed review of its strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Over 60 issues were identified, leading to critical issues which form the basis for setting priorities and an action plan. Serafin said the priorities focus on increasing memberships and fundraising efforts, challenges to core values, greater collaboration outside of Western New York, celebrating Polonia milestones, and involving more students. President James Levitsky st stated, it is understood that five years will be needed to work through and reach the desired results. We are excited about the possibilities and look forward to further growth. There is a lovely photo on the front page, and it's in celebration of the Feast of St. Adalbert's Heritage Mass. It's a, it's a photo of the beautifully lit and decorated altar at St. Adalbert Basilica. Per, uh, parishioners and members of the Polish Heritage Dancers led the procession on April 22, 2023. Over to Rochester. Gołom passes the torch to floor in Rochester's Polonia. Last week, Polonia Civic Center's 35-year president, Eugene Goem, passed the leadership of the Rochester organization to Steve Floor. The Polonia Civic Center is the representative body of Rochester's Polish-American civic, social, cultural, religious, veteran, fraternal, and charitable organizations since 1919. It is the successor to the World War I Polish Relief Committee and was a charter member of the Polish-American Congress in Buffalo in 1944. At the end of the Polonia Civic Center meeting, Gollum announced that he felt that it was time for him to pass the torch after so many years of dedicated service as Rochester's Mr. Polonia. He recommended Floor, a longtime vice president and delegate to and leader of several regional Polonia organizations. Reportedly, Gollum barely had time to complete his recommendation and Floor to pick 
up his jaw before the PCC board broke out into acclamation of approval of the recommendation and profuse thanks to Gollum for his leadership. Michael Leach, chairman of the Rochester Kraków Sister Cities Committee and member of the board of the Polish Heritage Society of Rochester stated, I can't thank Jean and Steve enough for the exemplary roles they have both played over the years of my contact with Rochester and U.S. Polonia. Gollum will continue in the role of secretary treasurer and advisor to Floor. Long organization, long leadership. Next, artistic legacy and impact of Slavinsky's Scrafito work highlighted at PACB meeting. Full disclosure, I was at this presentation. This is by Steve Drugosh. The late Josef Slavinsky was an accomplished educator, artist, and sculptor in his native Poland. His eventual residence and artistic work in western New York in many ways led him to be an adopted son of sorts in the Buffalo, Niagara area. His life's work, particularly that which was done using the unique sgraffito technique, was highlighted as part of the April 19, 2023 meeting of the Polish Arts Club of Buffalo, with longtime local educator and historian Eleanor Ash presenting on the topic celebrating Buffalo and beyond the artistic legacy of Józef Slavinsky. Scrafito is defined as a technique used in painting, pottery, and glass, which consists of putting down a preliminary surface covering it with another and then scratching the superficial layer in such a way that the pattern or shape that emerges is of the lower color. Slavinsky extended this technique to utilize four layers of colored cement, producing tremendous results, although noted as being labor intensive and requiring long periods of time unique in its production. He also worked in the media of fresco, hammered copper, scratched tempera, and wrought iron. Ash praised the work ethic of Slavinsky, stating, quote, He has such a large amount of works in the area. His artistic legacy really is strong in western New York. End quote. Even recently, Slavinsky's work had been the subject of dedications at Canisius College, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library downtown, and other sites, with the, quote, Spirit of Buffalo recently unveiled in March at the library. Ash said she was introduced to Slavinsky's work while she was on a retreat at the Stella Niagara Sisters of St. Francis, where she saw the visually pleasing work of Slavinsky at the Chapel of St. Francis, completed in 1964, as well as the John F. Kennedy Presidential Peace Memorial and the Last Supper Scrafito work. His name stuck with me from that point, said Ash. Slavinsky was born in 1905 in Warsaw, Poland, and worked as a muralist and professor at the University of Warsaw, becoming an esteemed and respected figure there. He was invited to the United States in 1963 by Monsignor Maximilian Bogatsky, pastor of Assumption Church in Black Rock, and proceeded to produce in Sgraffito Technique the five scenes from the life of the Blessed Virgin at Assumption. He utilized, quote, architect tonic on the wall, as well as the liturgical symbols. 
Slavinsky began to gradually make western New York his home, settling at 125 Buffalo Avenue, Niagara Falls, which also housed his studio, working on various pieces in Niagara County, including the Maid of the Mist Scraffito on Buffalo Avenue, as well as the Peace Mural at Our Lady of Fatima Shrine in Lewiston. The Peace Mural famously depicts people of different backgrounds from the world, with a pregnant woman symbolically representing the future of the human race, with destruction versus survival a central theme. It was created following the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. The Peace Memorial was significant, Ash said, in that it served as an opportunity for residents of Poland and their appreciation of the late Kennedy. This is a lot of work, Ash said in summarizing his hundreds of works in Scrafito. The timing has to be just right. That takes a long time. Those in attendance who had met Slavinsky included longtime educator and arts club member Stan Novak. He recalled the great attention to detail put forth by Slavinsky, mentioning the process in which the 24-foot-long by 12-foot-high Scravito mural titled Commodore Oliver Hazard Perry at Black Rock at West Hurdle Academy was painstakingly constructed. Novak happily added that he was allowed to assist in the finishing of the middle ship mast under the guidance of Slavinsky. Slavinsky was on site for basically a month straight, Novak said, of the process at West Hurdle, which was completed in 1969, just after Novak began working at the school as a longtime library media specialist. Other noted works of Slavinsky completed in various techniques outlined at the meeting included St. Maximilian Kolbe 1964 Scraffito at the St. Francis Conventual Residence in Athol Springs, a Katyan memorial plaque unveiled April 1980, hammered copper, at Buffalo City Hall, honoring the lives of Polish soldiers who were killed in a 1940 massacre at Katyn. City of Buffalo seal at the mayor's office in 1969, made of hammer, copper, that depicts the Niagara River, and a barge being pulled as well as a lighthouse. Buffalo's Polonia, 1973, three panels of Scraffito at Erie County Medical Center. Frederick Chopin, 1968, Scraffito, in the library at Villa Maria College. St. Joseph, Calisanctius, 1967, Scraffito, originally at the Gray Cliff Estate in Derby, now at Buffalo State College. The list goes on and on. A complete list of Slavinsky's work can be found at www.polishartsclubofbuffalo.com. All one word, polishartsclubofbuffalo.com. Much of Slavinsky's work was described as possessing bright color with a deeper central meaning. The 24 by 7 peace mural at Our Lady of Fatima Shrine, for example, is visited by thousands each year as a destination for visitors seeking to find one's own peace. Ash looked in wonderment at the works outlined on the projector screen. Stated, Slavinsky, we appreciate your work across western New York. May you rest in peace. Uh, let's jump over to Syracuse, New York. Polish Fest set in Syracuse. The Polish Scholarship Fund announced the upcoming Syracuse Polish Festival will be held June 9th through 11th at Clinton Square, Syracuse, New York. Attractions at the festival include the Diana Jacobs Band, Primetime Horns Band, Simone Band, Those Idiots Band, Pierogi Eating Contest, 
Miss Polonia Award, among others. The Polish Festival in Clinton Square, Syracuse, is a fun-filled three-day event for the entire family, showcasing Polish heritage, culture, and economic potential of the entire community. Organizers are seeking vendors and sponsors as they expect to attract thousands of people. For details, visit polishscholarship.org. All one word, polishscholarship.org. Let's take a quick break. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Ampol Eagle on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Let's go over to the old country for our Polish news bites, compiled by our friend Robert Slibel, Warsaw correspondent. Ukraine's first couple pays first official visit to Poland. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and First Lady Olena Zelenska have paid their first official visit to Poland. Zelensky conferred with Poland's President Andrzej Duda and Prime Minister Matusz Morawiecki on such issues as mutual security concerns, armed deliveries, and Ukraine's post-war reconstruction effort, as well as unresolved historical differences. In a speech, he thanked the Polish people for their extraordinary assistance to his war-torn country. He also met with a group of Ukrainian refugees sheltered from Putin's war in Poland. Zelensky was decorated with the Order of the White Eagle, Poland's highest distinction awarded to outstanding foreigners. Polish and Canadian researchers discover gene-causing breast cancer. Scientists from Poland and Canada have discovered a new gene called ATRIP, A-T-R-I-P, whose mutations cause a high risk of breast cancer. According to the researchers, the discovery may lead to improved diagnosis and treatment of women with breast cancer. Cezary Sibulski of the Polish research team told Poland's PAP, PAP news agency that the association between a mutation of the ATRIP gene and the incidence of breast cancer was found in a study of 16,000 women with breast cancer and 9,000 healthy women from Poland. Balsarowicz threatens rerun of 1990s shock therapy. Economic liberal Leszek Balsarowicz, who imposed his financial shock therapy on Poland in the 1990s, is now threatening a rerun of that unpopular policy. He closed factories left and right and sold many to foreign investors for a steal, with total disregard for the fate of the laid-off employees and their families. That ushered in a 13-year period of growing unemployment, culminating in a jobless rate of 20% in 2003. The now ruling conservative government has created a network of strategic state enterprises, which turned out to be a godsend during the energy crisis caused by Putin. But if the liberal left opposition wins the autumn election, Balsarovich has pledged to revert to his former hard-nosed capitalist policies. Poland busts Russian spy ring planning to sabotage arms shipments. Polish, Poland's, I'm sorry, Poland's International Security Agency, ABW, has broken up an espionage ring suspected of spying for Russia. Six people all citizens of countries east of Poland's border were detained on suspicion of having installed secret can cameras to monitor rail lines used to ship arms to Ukraine, 
Polish security boss Mariusz Kaminski said. He added that the sub suspects had also been planning acts of sabotage. Several more suspected spies were detained in the weeks that followed. Polish actress featured in U.S. romantic comedy. Joanna Kulig, a popular Polish actress and singer, is featured in the American romantic comedy She Came to Me, which opens this year's Berlin Film Festival. Kulig, age 40, is best known internationally for her role in the 2018 historical drama Cold War, which earned her the Best Actress Award at the 31st European Film Awards. Well, that's a lot of news from the old country. Let's go to Polonia's calendar and see what you can put on your calendar. We have Monday, May 8th, celebration of the feast day of St. Stanislaus, Bishop and Martyr, with 6 p.m. Mass at St. Stanislaus Church, 123 Townsend Street in Buffalo. Thursday, May 11th, Boots on the Ground, the Role of an On-Site Researcher, by Lucian Chihotsky and Aleksandra Kasp. Professional researchers from Poland. This is the Polish Genealogical Society of New York State meeting. It's from 7 to 8.30 p.m. In person at Erie, Bosey's, Erie 1 Bosey's, 355 Harlem Road in West Seneca. Wednesday, May 17th, Let There Be Light, Polish Arts Club presentation. The presenter is Sister Mary Ann Therese Kelly, director, Illumination Stained Glass Studio at Villa Maria College, meeting at Harlem Road Community Center, 4255 Harlem Road at 7 p.m. It's open to the public. Thursday, May 18th, the PBW of Polonia Scholarship Dinner. It's at Clock's Banquet Facility, 1245 Seneca Creek Road, West Seneca, featuring Sinatra and other crooners by vocalist Mark Swartz. The number to RSVP is 716-725-7096. I'll do it again. 716 257096. Friday, May 19th, Outdoor Rosary Procession at 6 p.m., Marion Mausoleum, St. Stanislaus Cemetery, Pine Ridge Road, Chictawaga. If the weather is bad, they'll move it indoors. And to wrap up, Sunday, May 21st, Dedication of a new plaque honoring St. Maximilian Kolbe at the 9.30 a.m. Mass, Corpus Christi Church, 199 Clark Street in Buffalo, a light reception to follow. Memories of the East Side featured on a radio show. The newest Polish-American radio program features former Fillmore District Council member and Council President David Franczyk, who shares his memories of the Polish East Side and where it's headed. The program, hosted by Andy, or Andrzej Gołębiowski, also includes two polkas for Polish candidates for mayor of Buffalo and other Polish music. The Polish-American radio program airs Saturdays from 11 in the morning till 12.30 in the afternoon on WEBR, 14.40 a.m., and can be heard anytime at polishprogram.com. 
all one word, polishprogram.com. There is a letter to the editor here, Problem Gambling and Stress. Inflation is high, prices are higher, and many people are struggling just to put food on the table. When our finances are tight, stress can increase. Stress is defined as a state of worry or mental tension caused by a difficult situation. When we are stressed, we might start looking for an escape. You might even think that gambling or the lottery and hitting it big is the answer. In fact, it may cause more strains in your relationship at home and at work and start to affect your mental health, causing more stress, anxiety, and depression. There are many opportunities to gamble. The grocery store, casinos, online sports betting, convenience stores, and gas stations all offer gambling. Most can gamble and play the lottery for fun or entertainment. Unfortunately, sometimes gambling can take a toll on our mental health and further strain us financially. Understanding what problem gambling is and why you may be gambling is a good place to start. The New York Council on Problem Gambling has many resources to help you. Reaching out for help is hard, but there are many resources out there. These resources include the Path of Problem Gambling. This is an infographic that can show you how gambling can affect an individual, as well as your family members, co-workers, and community. We also have the Cost of Problem Gambling. This will show you how much money gambling is costing you every year. Another way to start small is by taking an e-screener. The e-screener is confidential and anonymous and can help someone decide if they are ready to reach out for help. These free resources can be found at www.nyproblemgambling.org. Again, www.nyproblemgambling.org. There is also a local phone number. Um, they can connect you with support groups, clinicians, or provide more educational materials. Call 1-833-437-3864. Again, 1-833-437-3864. All calls are confidential. And this letter comes from Jeffrey Vierzbitsky. Western Finger Lakes PGRC. There is a photograph here uh, alerting us to the May Crowning Mother's Day Mass. It's at 10 a.m. on Sunday, May 14th at St. Casimir's. It's at 160 Cable Street in Buffalo. As each year, children are asked to bring spring cut flowers and or traditional lilacs, hopefully in bloom, to make a May garden for Mama Mary. Event begins outdoors on Weimar Street with a white handkerchief. Bring your own. Some hankies will be provided. Litany procession carrying an original image of Our Lady of Fatima. Teens will be welcomed with Mama Mary's hug as knights and ladies and receive appropriate Marian neck ribbon and medal. School-aged sons or daughters will receive two blessed carnations, one for their mom and the other to take home and honor Jesus' mom. Youthful brothers and sisters of Jesus, prepare a vase to receive the flower for your personal image of Jesus' mom. Grandparents and parents, bring your youngest and your teens. 
This was submitted by Reverend Sheshwav Krisha. See if I can sneak one more little thing in here before we take a break. Um, let's see. Okay, a quickie. Polka's on tap. We've got Saturday, May 13th, St. Leo the Great Parish Hall, 885 Sweet Home Road in Amherst. It's the New Directions Band. The doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner is at 6 p.m. Adults are $25. Children are $10. Under 12 years old are free. Call 716-835-8905 for details. Again, 716-835-8905. Sunday, June 4th, Polka Party up in Niagara Falls at the Polish Nook. 2242 Cutterback Avenue. Admission of $15 includes a seat, music, and a Polish meal. That starts at 3 p.m. Call for reservations 716-282-6712. Again, 716-282-6712. And to our break, you are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Ample Eagle on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Well, we've already covered a lot. Let's see what else we can get into in this week's Ample Eagle. Okay. Not all bears break into beehives, says scientists. According to popular belief, any bear that smells honey cannot resist and will break into the apiary. Scientists have found that this is not true. They use DNA samples taken at the crime sites to show that two-thirds of the bears in the northeastern Carpathians do not break into hives, despite the fact that many hives are still not properly secured. The starting point for the research of scientists from Poland, Spain, and Germany was the case of apiary destruction by a bear in early April 2014. In a small Carpathian village surrounded by forest, 100 kilometers northwest of the Kremenaros Tripoint on the borders of Poland, Slovakia, and Ukraine. A beekeeper went to check his hives after the winter season. He had been running an apiary for more than three decades, and despite living in a region inhabited by brown bears, he had never experienced any damage from them. He had also never properly secured his hives against bears. Considering that in a region of 4,700 kilometers, bears cause an average of 52 damages per year, most of them, 92%, in apiaries. The beekeeper had been lucky until that day. He found 15 destroyed hives in his small apiary. A few days earlier, a very similar incident occurred in another village just five kilometers away. Shortly after the case was reported to the Regional Directorate for Environmental Protection, a team of scientists from the Institute of Nature Conversation, Con I'm sorry, a team of scientists from the Institute of Nature Conservation of the Polish Academy of Sciences arrived equipped with gloves, vials, and a portable fridge. They were looking for biological material, mainly hair, but also feces left by bears that were probably involved in the event. The researchers carefully examined the destroyed hives, frames, fences, and the surrounding area. Like CSI, they secured all biological samples and transported them to their lab in Krakow. 
They extracted DNA in order to identify the individuals responsible for destroying the hives. They determined that the same female with two cubs had been involved in both apiary break-ins. Three years later, she was identified as a culprit in two similar incidents. Over the course of four years, a team of researchers from the Institute of Nature Conservation, PAS, and employees of the Regional Directorate for Environmental Protection in Zheshov inspected 209 damages reported as presumably caused by bears and collected and analyzed 146 biological samples. The team also conducted a year-long systematic genetic study of the entire population, collecting samples of hair and feces in the range of the species in Porcarpaci. The researchers then used complex statistical models to provide the first reliable estimates of the number of bears living in the Polish Eastern Carpathians. This is not an easy task, as these animals are secretive, rare, and travel long distances. However, scientists knew how to provoke bears to rub against certain trees and leave fur. Thanks to special hair traps with an attractive smell for bears, they collected 169 hair samples. Using the genetic information found in the collected hair and feces samples, the team estimated that between 45 and 115 bears inhabited the study area. They found that out of an average of 72 bears living in the Polish Eastern Carpathians, only one-third break into apiaries. They also found that not all individuals were equally often identified at the damage sites. First author of the study, Teresa Berezowska Czniota from the Institute of Nature Conservation, PAS, said, the common view is that if someone behaved badly once, they will behave similarly in the future. We have shown that in the case of brown bears, this is rather an exception. Among the bears breaking into apiaries, about 33% were repeat offenders. Importantly, the results of the study suggest that the majority of animals did not cause any damage. The authors of the analyses emphasize that their study is important from the point of view of nature conservation and human-wild animal conflict management. Nuria Selva from the Institute of Nature Conservation, PAS, the study co-author and project leader, believes that in order to effectively resolve conflicts between humans and wild animals, both sides should be addressed. She said, on one side we have people. We still have a long way to go in terms of damage prevention. Most apiaries and livestock are not properly secured in areas populated or recolonized by large predators, which creates a potential for conflicts. On the other side, there are wild animals. Without identifying the specific individuals involved in their incidents and understanding their behavior, conflicts cannot really be resolved. The scientists also point out that understanding individual aspects of conflict behavior through studies on large space-time scales covering the entire population should be a priority in applied ecology and nature conservation. That is from Science in Poland, or P. A P. I think it's pretty interesting. But then I have two sisters who have beehives. Okay. Wochi tops the list of NHL's oldest living player. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. This is from Tom Tadapachki's Polonia Press Box. Last Christmas, Steve Wochi turned 100 years old, becoming just the second former NHL player to reach the second century mark. 
Wolchi, who also played a couple of seasons for the old AHL Buffalo Bisons, is also currently the oldest living former NHL player. He was born Stefan Wojciechowski to Polish immigrants in Fort William, now Thunder Bay, on Christmas Day in 1922. Though he played in the minors for most of his career, between 1944 and 1946, he played 54 games for the NHL Detroit Red Wings. Wojci played mostly in the American Hockey League from 1940 to 1955, including a couple of seasons with the old Buffalo Bisons Hockey Club of the AHL. In 1944, after serving in the Canadian Army, Steve was picked up by Detroit in the NHL. He was the first person of Polish descent to play for the Red Wings. In his rookie season of 1944-45, the 22-year-old winger scored 19 goals in just 49 games for the Red Wings, who went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final before losing to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I had a really good year with them, Wochi recalled. Despite that really good year, Detroit was loaded with talent like Ted Lindsay and Gordie Howe in the NHL, just a six-team league at the time. As a result, Wochi spent the rest of his career in the minors. His best season came in the 1951-52 season with the AHL's Cleveland Barons when he led the league with 37 goals along with 78 points in 68 games. That season, he earned first-team All-Star honors. The 5'8", 160-pound Wochi went on to score 253 goals in a 10-year career in the American Hockey League and won two Calder Cups with the Cleveland Barons in 1951 and 1953. He played for the Bisons in 1953-54 and 54-55 season. The Buffalo Bisons were an American Hockey League ice hockey franchise that played in the old odd until 1970, when the Sabres were established. It's probably best remembered for the team's unusual logo that resembled a red and white, a red, white, and blue soft drink bottle cap that came about in 1956 when the team was purchased by Ruby Pastor the owner of the local franchise of Pepsi-Cola. After 10 seasons of pro hockey, Steve retired and settled in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, and went to work for Algoma Steel. It was then that he legally changed his name from Wojciechowski to Wojci, even though he went by Wojci or Wojci throughout most of his career. The reason I changed it was when I grew up, nobody called me Wojciechowski. It was always Wochi, Wochi, Wochi. When I came to the Sioux and the kids would go to school and people would say, you're Steve's son, Wochi. So I said, I might as well change it. What are you going to do? But when people ask for my autograph, they want me to write Wojciechowski. In a piece marking his 100th birthday, NHL.com reported that Vochi was still living alone in his home in Sault Ste. Marie. He had still been driving until recently when his license was taken away. But he still walks to the nearby grocery store to do his shopping, enjoys gardening, and sometimes plays a little street hockey with neighborhood kids. I'm hard of hearing and I'm getting weaker in the back and legs, but I still manage for now, he said. I have a granddaughter that comes and helps, but only when I need her, as I try to stay as independent as I can. I have my health problems, but I'm still here. Flip returns. Duke basketball star Kyle Filipowski announced that he'll stay in college for at least one more season, bypassing the likely chance to be a first-round draft pick. The seven-foot center averaged 15.1 points and 8.9 rebounds for the Blue Devils as a freshman, leading the team in both categories. 
His late-season improvement helped Duke win the ACC tournament title and earn a number 5 NCAA tournament seed. Duke recently announced that Filipowski underwent an arthroscopic surgery on both of his hips, but has begun rehab and should be ready for the 2023-24 season. Iga Świątek, Beauty, Power, and Truth. Polish tennis star Iga Świątek has been named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People of 2023. At age 21, she's the youngest person on the list. The profile, written by American skier Michaela Schifrin, asserted, When Iga Świątek plays tennis, three things come to mind. Beauty, power, and truth. Iga was described as an athlete who, quote, embodies the kind of confidence that everyone should emulate, the confidence of action over mere talk, end quote. Schifrin also said of Sviantek, she strives relentlessly to improve her game. She gives credit to those who have supported her without discounting her own skills and work. She has advocated for mental health and supported Ukrainians in their fight to protect their home. To rise to the top of tennis with the limited resources she had coming from Poland is remarkable, Schifrin wrote. She has ignited a nation and given the next generation a reason to believe they can also achieve something incredible. A success story, if there ever was one. Time for our last break. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Ampole Eagle on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. The Buffalo Music Hall of Fame to award two scholarships. The Buffalo Music Hall of Fame announced that it is now accepting applications for two scholarships that will be awarded to young musicians in the Western New York area. The Buffalo Music Hall of Fame Education Scholarship is awarded to two high school students in grade 12 for $1,000 to $2,000. Applicants who are attending public or private schools in Western New York, that includes Erie, Niagara, Chautauqua, Cattaraugus, or Allegheny Counties, and who are studying music, business of music, music therapy, or any technical audio and or production aspect of music are eligible. The deadline for applications is May 15th, and... Uh, they give a website that is, I'm sorry, just too long here. Let's see if we can find something. Um, but what you can do, uh, the actual organization website is bmhof.org. That's Buffalo Music Hall of Fame.org, abbreviated. So again, bmhof. Dot org, and then poke around until you find the um, application. The Lucille and Jack Yellen Foundation Young Songwriter Scholarship awards two young songwriters between the ages of 13 and 18 cash prizes, opportunities to be mentored by Buffalo Music Hall of Fame inductees, free enrollment in music business workshops and opportunities to perform at Buffalo Music Hall of Fame music events in the Western New York area. Songs will be judged equally on originality, lyrics, melody, and composition. Finalists for the categories of single solo performer and ensemble band performers will be chosen by a committee comprised of Buffalo Music Hall of Fame board members and inductees. The deadline for this scholarship is May 31st. Uh, same situation with that application. 
bmhof.org. So, music fans, music families, people in music classes, bands, marching bands, orchestras, you have a couple of options here for scholarships. Let's go back to Basha Shidlovsky's article about the tango and Argentina twist into Poland's musical world. We started that last week. Poland's music love affair with Argentina persisted into the 1930s, even as the Polish tango became increasingly separated from its South American counterpart. The influence of Argentina went as far as to feature a 1933 Polish film, Procurator Alicia Horn, or Prosecutor Alicia Horn, starring Jadwiga Smosarska. However, on this occasion, the dance was in foxtrot form with the song Argentina. The electric dancer, Loda Halama performed the song towards the beginning of the picture in a ruffled evening dress, shimmying and cartwheeling as she sang, At the beginning is A, at the end is A, Argentina. How much life does it have? Oh, how much does it have? Argentina. This short name was something in itself, Argentina. It cannot be forgotten. Argentina. Other international influence on Polish interwar music can be found closer to home, with many songs oozing an unmistakable Slavic twang. A central proponent of Eastern European music, Ties, was Fanny Gordon, the only female composer of light music in Poland during the interwar period. Her background was Russian, and with her came the jovial harmonies and folk nuances that mark a considerable proportion of the most popular Polish interwar pieces. One was her 1919 Pod Samovarem, Under the Samovar, the song which initiated Gordon's career in musical spheres. As the story goes, the famed Polish lyricist Andrzej Wast heard her performing the tune on a child's piano and immediately saw it as a potential cabaret hit. After being released in Poland as the Podros na Cienzyk, or Journey to the Moon, review in Morski Oko, Polidor Records persuaded Gordon to translate the lyrics into Russian. From there, its popularity grew. One of the pioneers of Lithuanian and Russian music, Danielius Dulskis, recorded an original version in 1931, while Peter Lechenko, known as the King of Russian Tango, added two more stanzas to his own recording for Colombia in 1933. Lechenko was no stranger to the effortless charm of Polish music. He counted Jerzy Petersburski as one of his favorite composers, and many recordings of his performances of Petersburski's songs still exist today. Gordon was also a proponent of cultural diversity further than Eastern Europe, infusing her songs with references to countries like India in her 1931 Buddha and 1933 Indie tangos, which on recording information were referred to as Eastern tangos. This particular flair did not stop with Gordon. The region itself was cultivating a large collection of sophisticated artists and movements, holding a certain sway over interwar musical output. This was quite literal, too, as Frederick Yarozzi the acclaimed composer of Qui Pro Quo was of Austrian descent. 
his hazy Polish accent, earning him endless devotion. To be continued. We've had some great history lessons in this issue. Okay, ask our man in Warsaw. Our friend Robert Stibel is going to answer a couple of questions here. In the paper recently, you gave recipes for milk soups. Other than my summertime favorite, ice-cold buttermilk with hot brown buttered potato, I never had milk soups. My grandmother from Kuyave never made them, and my father from Helm never mentioned them. Are they particular to any region? That's from Christina Gut uh, in Rochester. Hot milk soups made with groats, rice, noodles, or poured batter were typical winter fare all over Poland. They were a rare treat to poor peasant families that had a goat or cow, a few chickens, and 10 to 12 kids. Such families preferred to take most of their milk and eggs to market for a few coins needed for other necessities. Like with everything else, some better-to-do Poles may not have fancied such soups or even forgot about them after coming to America. Full disclosure, I do enjoy hot potatoes with cold buttermilk. Last question. I have heard your son's name is Lesław. I've been living in a Polish neighborhood all my life, but never heard that name. Is it short for Boleslav? We had Czeszław, Wadyszław, and Mieczysław, but no Leszław. Also, Iga. Never heard of that name either. That's from Walter Piontek in Berlin, New Jersey. No, Leszław is not short for Boleszław, but it's a name in its own right. But unlike Boleszław, Wadyszław, etc., which go back to the Middle Ages, Leszław was created in the 19th century by Polish Romantic poet Roman Zamorski, who used it as a title of his 1847 poem. Iga was originally a nickname for Jadwiga, but eventually involved, evolved into a first name all its own. Think Bill Clinton and Joe Biden. In recent years, Poland's Iga Świątek, now the world's best woman tennis player, has enhanced its popularity. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's reading. You've been listening to a reading of articles and features from the April 27th, 2023 issue of the Ampole Eagle. We read from the Ampole Eagle every Saturday at 3 p.m. Your reader has been Joanne Janitsky. Thank you for listening. Dobranoc. The number of people in Erie County who are vaccinated against COVID-19 goes up each week. But we still have a long way to go to vaccinate our community and put this pandemic behind us. You can help. Start a conversation with your neighbor, your hairstylist, your nurse, your parents, your dentist, your kids, and ask if they are vaccinated yet. If they're not, encourage them to call the Erie County Department of Health at 716-858-2929 to find out where they can go for their shot. It's been three weeks since your Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service began broadcasting online in addition to broadcasting over the air. And we have lots of new listeners in our family. Our mission, though, is the same today as it was yesterday, last year, and even 30 years ago. To give voice to the printed words so those who are blind, have low vision, or have other print disabilities can read. This way, they can also enjoy the benefits only reading can provide. Because whether we are bringing you the news, stories, or information, the material we share is important because you are important. We'd like to hear from you. What does your Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service mean to you? How do we fit in your life? What role do we play? Please let us know. It's easy. 
Simply call our listener hotline at 716-821-5555, extension number 5, and leave your comments on our voicemail. If you'd like, leave your name and phone number so we can call you back, or you can leave your message anonymously. It's your call. Your personal stories, your comments, and your thoughts will help us a lot as we develop future program schedules. They'll also help us tell donors, funders, and other people who support our station how valuable their contributions and donations are to us and to you. So please call our listener hotline today at 716-821-5555, extension 5. Thank you. The following program is intended for listeners who are blind, have low vision, or have another print disability, which makes